Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Talica. This is your host Tom Quee here. We're here for the second edition in our Unforgiven trilogy sweep. This is Unforgiven 2. This is episode 149. Just before we get to the song and the guest, please follow us at MetallicaPod. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. You know, we ran out of songs, essentially. Uh, all the guest slots are booked up. We've got about another three months or so of the kind of original run of the show. And I have been thinking, I was talking about my girlfriend with it recently, I was thinking about maybe in like... I don't know, this is this is perhaps too much foresight, but in like 10 years, going back and doing it all over again, and part of the chronology will be me listening back to my thoughts on the songs and seeing how that opinions would change. I can't really foresee myself changing uh, my prejudices against Unforgiven 2, but we're going we're gonna to dissect that, we're going to explore that, as we always do with Alpha Metallica. So, but if you want to jump on the show... And you want to do a song or, you know, one of the things that I really want to do and I've been booking guests in slowly for after we do the original run is doing episodes on all the guys. So obviously the main four currently, uh, Jason Cliff, uh, Ron, Phil, I'd love to do an episode on Bob Rock, obviously, and Fleming and just anyone that's kind of a big Mick, you know, uh, Rob Z, whatever. All of these people that are influential in the lineage, I'd like to explore and do a little bit of annotation or whatever and a little bit of historical biography so yeah those are things to look forward to if you want to hop on for one of those episodes or indeed if you want to discuss a show or a top five or whatever metallicapod.gmail.com always willing to work always willing to uh get down to brass tacks on there and just get more of this show out because i love doing this show um follow us at metallicapod uh patreon is there itunes is there patreon of course if you support us you um get access to the episodes a few weeks before they come out this episode for example by the time i was recording it is due out in like a fortnight or so but i'm going to put it on tonight so you know you, you get the picture of uh i've hopped these wares many many times uh itunes please leave us a review spotify various platforms that are out there that the rss feed has been shipped out to that i have no clue of find us on those and uh, if the ability is there leave a five star rating but you know today i'm joined by someone that not only is uh, you know an ardent supporter of the show has been a patron for probably years now and he's a patron of loads of these shows and you know he's been on the show as well we've done minus human had some great discussions he's been on the uh, live pearl jam podcast live and four legs that i mentioned before uh aurelian how's it going sir yeah it's pretty fine how are you doing I'm, I'm really well and you know um you're calling us from france right Yes, right. Okay, in case people might not have gathered for those few syllables you've already spoken. Uh, <laughs> you are French, and um, you, I want to talk about this more at the end of the show, but you recently saw the band, right, in Mannheim? Yes, exactly. So it was my fourth, my fourth shows of the tour, and, and it was amazing. And yeah, the set list was pretty celebrated, wasn't it? Exactly, with your favourite outlaw on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, you know, today we're talking about another favourite, and I want to just jump straight into this. We're talking about Unforgiven 2. And, you know, a lot of the times when we do the show, the guest doesn't necessarily know how I feel about the song. But it is a reload song, so you can pretty much, you know, the cards are on the table, so to speak. Um, But one of the things that will be on the Patreon currently will probably be out on the main feed by the time I was recording. So I'm recording so much stuff in advance, it's hard to ascertain exactly where it'll fall on the chronology. But I've done an episode with Austin on Metallica's, you know, rarest live songs. And we spoke about this song. And, you know, I kind of revealed what I feel about this song, Shock Horror. It's not one of my favourites. But talk to me about your history of Unforgiven 2. Um, you know, from what I remember beforehand, you've been a fan for a while. So you were already heavy into the game when Reload dropped, right? Yeah, so I, I discovered Metallica with the Black Album. <clears throat> and when Load and Reload came out, uh, it was, um, 
I was more into alternative music, such as Radiohead, things like that. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, I have always been a kind of fan of Metallica ballad or power ballad of slow songs. Mm -hmm. And when uh, Unforgiven 2 came out, I have very vivid memory of the first time I listened to it. I remember uh, being at one of my friends who had just bought the album, just turned the, the CD case and see Unforgiven 2 and thinking, well, it's kind of lazy to to do a, a sequel to your right. one of your most iconic song. And we put the CD, I, directly I go to this track and I was amazed by, by the song. And, and so, you're, you're still amazed 20 years later? Yes, I am still amazed by the song. I think I, um, I think Until This Sleep is my favorite Metallica songs. And just below there is Unforgiven, Unforgiven 2. So I'm really into this, this kind of songs. Um, for me, Unforgiven, Unforgiven 2, I, gener I, I generally listen to these two tracks from back to back. For mm. me, it's really uh, I like listening to this song uh, back to back. I mean, ironically, I think this song is actually unforgivable. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's reprehensible. You know, what, just just to me, and you know, again, I always say it's becoming a cliche on this show. Everyone has different ears. I understand that. I'm not trying to piss anyone off. And, you know, as we always do, we're going to get to your reviews at the end of the episode, guys, at Metallica Pod. Pretty much everyone loves this song. And I was surprised the outpouring of adoration. But there's a few outliers, as there always are. But, you know, I'll always say one of the worst things about Load and Reload to me are how uninspired they are. How they feel on such a treadmill. They're treadwater records. They're devoid of flavor or energy or invention or flair. And here is the rawest example of that. A sequel to a song. Like it's a fucking franchise or, or, or something. Like I'm, I'm not on board with this. We don't have sequels in paintings or, you know, we have sequels in books. But we certainly don't have where you, you, you dredge out the guts of what made a song so beloved. You know, The Unforgiven, one of their most one of the most popular songs and then just kind of siphon it off into other parts it just it, it reeks to me that they just didn't quite know what to do here so they just thought oh people liked Unforgiven here's Unforgiven too I mean this is what I initially thought when I just uh, was aware of the fact that it was an Unforgiven too but I see it another way for me they take a huge risk by uh, kind of uh, revisiting one of their more popular songs mm. because because, I mean, you, they could have pissed uh, more or less uh, a huge part of their fan base uh, who, who could have thought that this, the song was bad and so on. But as you, as you, as you just say it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a fan favorite. Mm. So, yeah, the Unforgiven is one of their most iconic songs, easily. Yeah. So, no, I mean, um, what I really like is uh, the fact that they have kind of, uh, you know, changed the, changed the way the... The, of the of the songs when they have some soft verse and uh, heavy chorus instead of uh, heavy mm -hmm. verse and mm -hmm. uh, soft chorus. Yeah, and they there's a lot of throwback in the song, but I think that they there's also some some kind of different feeling from the Unforgiven. I think it's a more it's a more polished song. Uh, there's a lot of production and subtle uh, guitar feels in it. So for me, I get a very different feeling. So I really love the Unforgiven, love the Unforgiven too. So it's hard for me to to think that people are not liking this song. <laughs> no, no, and like like you're in the majority. Uh, normally, yeah. as you are, when I'm kind of you know out here protesting. But just for me, musically, the act of going back to the wellspring, the watering hole, and just hacking off 
and repurposing, as I say. You know, it reminds me as a kid uh, in the mid-2000s when Pixar went from being this dream factory of originality just to monetizing our childhood memories and sequelizing everything. It, it, it's, a, it's basically a musical war crime, is how I'm going to dane it. <laughs> like, I just... It just it's, I, I can't enjoy this chorus... Because it's the fucking Unforgiven chorus, and that's all I think about. It's it, there's, there's no revelation when you're engaging with the song. Yes, I get your point. I think I agree with you, but uh, but I think it's still a great song. Okay, okay. Let, let, let's get into the song. Let's get into the song itself. That, that, that's okay. the context out of the way. Exactly. So we, you know, we have this mournful horn, which is winking to the listener, you know, and then we build into these really lethargic Kirk octave shifts. Um, before we get to the B bend, what, what, what do you make of this like 20 seconds or so? Uh, I, I really like it. So um, I, I like the, I like the fact that they, they started with the horn. So you, if you're just uh, listening with shuffle, you don't know if it's your Figan right, one right. or if you're going to. <clears throat> and I like the subtle electric guitar that you have in the first thing on you. It, it kind of reminds me of a kind of a video game's music. Mm-hmm. So it's heavily distorted, but quite subtle. And uh, I like, uh, I generally, I'm a fan of uh, octaves. So whenever there is octave in a song, I I, I tend to, to like it. So it's... It fit my taste. Yeah, yeah. Octaves are a difficult thing. You know, I, I like octaves in like Rise Against. I like octaves in pop punk and that sort of like you mentioned Radiohead before. Like think yeah. of Just, for example, has some of exactly. the best like weaponized octaves. And um I mean I know you're a patron, so you might have heard me mention this before on the show. Uh but I saw Johnny Greenwood and his family in Oxford the other day. Yeah, which was, so which was to, yeah, which is fucking I crazy. To this, to this this morning. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was literally coming out of um, Waterstones, you know, one of our main sort of bookshop franchise over there, and there he was with his wife, who's very small. He's very tall. His wife's very small, and his yeah. boys who were like ten and twelve. And obviously, I wasn't going to say anything, but I did want to go up and just be like, "Bro, like the last minute yeah. of just to me is like some of the ultimate guitar playing. Like it's mouth watering." Yes. Um, but you know, we're back to this and. We're back to everyone, everyone loves this B Ben riff. Uh, exactly. Aurelian. People go crazy for it. To me, it's quite bland. I don't, I don't really hear what people are hearing. Um, because I don't know. For example, for me, uh, I know that B Ben are generally used for um, country music, mm-hmm. but I've never been really, uh, I have never listened to country music when I was young. So, I mean, yeah. the first time that, I, that I've heard the B Bender was in this song. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it was, I like the, it was, I I was familiar with with bands, but it it was kind of a different feeling, and I it's very subtle, it's very clean, and I really like the, this clean song. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't necessarily enjoy it, but it's certainly one of the highlights of what's the point to them of the song. It, it, it's unique, at least, and it's engaging. Yeah. And you know, I on paper, I love the idea of countrified James Hetfield. And I think there's a great album in the future or in some parallel universe. And, you know, we just covered Tuesday's Gone on the show. And, and, and there I can certainly see that, you know, reaching some heights. Here, though, I, I don't know. It's a little inauthentic to my ears. It's, it's a little off the mark. But there's no doubt that James has a good vocal performance. One of the things I can't rock with, um, I think the lyrics to this song are terrible. I think the lyrics are really clumsy. Speak the words I want to hear to make my demons run. 
Um, you know, it feels very Scientology-esque, like Ron L. Hubbard. If you can understand the me, then I can understand the you. It's very Zen commune. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it kind of rings a little false. Uh, I mean, it's. I mean, with load and reload, you you really have some uh, different. The the the, um, the lyrics of James changed drastically for me compared mm-hmm. to the Black Album or Justice for. So things are not are less straightforward. So it's up to your interpretation to understand what you want. Sure. We we have we can we can have the same discussion during the minus epi- minus human episode. So you can pretty much make your own interpretation because yeah. I think there is there is not a, a, tr- a really true true interpretation of what the lyrics means mm-hmm. and you know one of the things that I've had to get to grips with doing this show and one of the things that I found really educative is that you know people identify music in different ways like I would never say and this is not to say it's wrong I'm not judging anyone for saying this I understand it. I would never say that this song saved my life or this band changed my world or this to me I just like music I, I, I love it I'm crazy about it the composition the construction the context the legacy the writing it's not about reading a message into something and finding it redemptive you know where I think a lot of people connect with Unforgiven 2 on that level yes I'm a I'm a I'm with you on this uh, kind of thing. I mean, I really, I enjoy the lyrics. I enjoy the music, but I, I will never say that this, this song will, will or have saved my life. No, just not. No, it's just you know, it's, and because so much of this song is going back over old ground. Um, you know, maybe someone listened to this in ten years when I do the Alpha Talica retread in a decade. <laughs> uh, historically, this won't mean anything to you, but currently we're recording this in September 2019, and we are in the midst of Disney rebranding all their old films. So we're getting all these live action Lion King and Aladdin and and, and whatever, and this kind of feels a bit like that. Like it just feels a bit like him kind of trying to galvanize a, a, a dead corpse to a certain extent. And you spoke about the twists there, which okay, they do invert it quite cleverly, where Unforgiven had the um, you know the heavy verse and the soft chorus, etc. And then we get into the chorus of Unforgiven, which is taking Unforgiven two, which is taking so much from Unforgiven one. What do you make of the chorus here on this sequel? Once again, I like the chorus, uh, especially I like how the the guitar, the sound of the guitar. It's mm-hmm. uh, I think it's very powerful, but very very clean, even if it's distorted. Uh, once again, I think the the, the production is quite uh, stellar on this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you say stellar, I say sterile. To be honest with you, <laughs> I say stellar. <laughs> stellar, yeah, no, no. I, <laughs> but um, you know, to me, there's certain things that. There's certain things I think that James and Lars thought they were being clever with, but they actually look quite stupid. Like the fact the song's called Unforgiven 2, but then it's yep. T-O-O, Are You Unforgiven 2? It's like you're not Lewis Carroll. You're not, stop playing word games here. Like, to me, it feels quite juvenile, that pun. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like this pun. I think it's... Um... But it's like, but it's like they don't do it with Unforgiven 3. No, I mean, okay, so I don't know exactly who, who will be the guest for Unforgiven 3, yeah. but I, I kind of have a, a hard time to put Unforgiven 3. For me, it's really separate from the first two. The first mm-hmm. two are really closely linked. Uh, the third one is it's a departure from the first really, two. Yeah, really out there, isn't it? There's not yeah. much like DNA of the other two in it. No, I don't think so. So 
I mean, so there's Unforgiven in it, and it's called Unforgiven Free, but um, for me, it's very different. The, the, the first two are really closely related. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I really see this, this song as kind of a, a revisit of, uh, of the Unforgiven in a different in the, a different way. And like, you know, it was funny because when they did this, I was thinking to myself, you know, Lars and James, all the guys are so mired in musical history. You know, where where does this come from? The idea of the song sequel, and there isn't really any. Then, like, it happens a lot in rap, actually. Like, it happens a exactly. lot in hip hop. Like, you know, where they'll do a sequel to a song, or they do a new verse, or um, you know, I'm pretty. Uh, uh, there's, there's a on Jay Z. I think it's on the Blueprint Two, The Gift and the Curse. He does um, a song that harks back to the first song. It kind of catches up with that story, and that, and that works because it's you know it's such a lyric based medium. But here, musically, to me, it just feels a little gimmicky. It, at the end of the day. There's so little in in Load and Reload that's reinventing the wheel. You know, let's talk about attitude. Let's talk about better than you. Let's talk about just you know these these kind of repugnant riffs here. And it's just I I don't know. Okay, let's talk about the second verse then, where Kirk is doing a lot of abstract noise uh, in in the corners of the song. What what do you make of that? So the, f- the second verse, so you have a more arpeggio, so you are mm-hmm. uh, let's say additional guitar layers. Um, I prefer the first verse, which is uh, fully clean, I would yeah. say, because and it's uh, it's it's worse for me. It's the, the third verse because uh, then you have the you don't have a B bender anymore, but you have kind of a D tune, uh, sure. D tune arpeggio, a bit of wah wah. So and for me, the first verse, it's I get I think it's too produced to rest too too many things uh, in this verse in the third verse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just like it, it. It feels like Kirk just has to do something different here, so he does, and it doesn't really work. But you know, whatever it happens. Now, if you were to grab, you know, a random Metallica fan, let's say you're Mannheim, for example, where you were, yeah. and you, you know, you said to him, "Talk to me about Unforgiven." What is it about Unforgiven? They're most likely going to say Kirk solo. Like that is the real thing that people remember, that real Hollywood solo that comes from yeah. that, the one that Bob pushed and pushed for. Yeah. And, you know, we have a solo in Unforgiven 2 after the second chorus it comes in. And whilst the original solo is like the epitome of Joseph Campbell, it's the hero's journey, it's building and building, this one is so forgettable. It feels almost like a fly banging against a window pane. Like, just, there's no build in it. And Kirk gets so stuck on licks, he keeps repeating the same lick over and over again. It's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, but you had to put it in the context. Uh, in the late, late uh, let's say, late 90s, uh, mid-90s, I mean, solo, solo was not a thing. You know, you. I, I, I was in so. in the early nineties. You had solo everywhere in rock music, and uh, I would say slowly and progressively, most of them kind of turned them back of solo. And mm-hmm. and I think for me, it's, it, I like the solo. But he still does solo though. It's not like he doesn't solo. He's still doing yeah, the but, theatrics, like. Yes, but it's more. He's still bending. He's still building, but it's just the construction isn't there. I don't think the scaffold. Yes, but. For me, it's it's more an additional texture and not a singable solo. It's something else. No. It's it's something, but what which was more in the in the vein of the music of the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've spoken on the episodes four about Guns N' Roses. Like, you know, compare yeah. this to like fourteen years, for example. Like, you, you just can't yeah. really. There's nothing there. Like, you know, it's just you, you can't. It's a bit of bubbling dross, really. It's kind of tasteless and 
and and and morbid and um mostly a bit perplexing like and a bit upsetting but you know ultimately yeah kirk wasn't doing anything here and as i said on previous episodes yes it was kirk's bluesy period but he was kind of shit at blues he wasn't he wasn't a very good blues player so i don't know why we have to excuse that and we get um you know him in his sort of cowboy mode and stuff now i don't know if you heard this aurelian but i heard it and I couldn't stop hearing it. And I was convinced it was a fault with my Spotify player. Because I know a lot of listeners out there, Tom doesn't have vinyl. Tom doesn't listen to CDs. Tom streams <laughs> all his music, blah, blah, blah. But I went onto YouTube and I heard the same sound. And I searched on the Metallica forums and there are loads of threads about this. Now, we didn't speak about this before because obviously you might not be aware of this. But basically, at 5 minutes 47, right towards the end of the song, just as the original lick from the first Unforgiven song comes over the top, um, you can hear like... Like, it sounds a bit like a Facebook Messenger Skype sound. It sounds like a like a bleh, like like that sort of sound. And once you hear it, you cannot unhear it. It's really weird that it's there. Are you I don't know. I still listen to my uh, CD rip. Right. Not to. Uh, yeah. So I'll have to send it you. I'll, I'm going to put a link in yeah. right here on the episode for people to listen to, and it's definitely okay. there. And like, I'm not saying that this is new for Metallica. Uh, with Jason, we covered Sweet Amber, and on that, there's some real like, whew, there's there's real wind on the mic. Um, that I don't reckon is intentional, but maybe it is that kind of unleashed kind of idea. And I don't really know what point I'm getting at here, but I guess I'm just sort of summing it up the the laziness of of this track not that there wasn't care taken but i mean look clearly i don't like this song you love this song we're not going to convince each other otherwise you know no because for me you we have the unforgiven one which is uh which is kind of a classic uh, Mm -hmm. rock song undeniably and for the unforgiven two they try to to take this uh, these staples of their uh, catalog and then try to revisit it with with a with a different sound, with different texture, different layers, and and I don't see it as a kind of a a kind of a lazy way to 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 build a new song, mm-hmm. but just uh, for me they they take the risk of revisiting one of their most popular songs. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not the, the, the other way. For me, I, do, I don't see it as a, a, a lazy thing, but more of a risk taken to. And I think that, in my opinion, they kind of succeed to 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 build something which is different, but we with a lot of throwbacks to to the original song. Yeah, yeah, and it, look, this is not something that Metallica have not done before. Um, you know, think about King Nothing, often Never Neverland. You know, they they they, yep. they, they kind of have a lot of these kind of asides to the audience, this this meta-ness exactly. that, that that I really do like, and I think that's really cool that they did that. Um, but uh, but but yeah, not too successful for me ultimately. And after the solo, we get back into the octaves, and then we get some more choruses as it builds. And and what do you make about this final section when the kind of intro lick of the original song is played over the the second song's chorus? Um, to be honest, I think that the song could have stopped maybe, uh, so you have the solo and then the B-Bender came, came back. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, they could have stopped the song at this point. Right. Because, but maybe because I'm, yet say I, I'm a casual Metallica fans, but sometimes I think that most of their songs, uh, especially nowadays are too long. Yeah. Because they generally six minutes, six minutes and a half. And I think the success of the Black Album is the fact that they, they succeeded in kind of being able to to play shorter songs. 
Yeah, very very lean record, both sonically and compositionally, definitely. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would say maybe this is the only flow that I can see in this track. It maybe it's a little bit too long. They could have edited it a bit, or maybe getting rid of a of a of a verse. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I really like in this last verse is the way that James is keeping the, the last note. Yeah, yeah, and, and James's vocal performance is celebrated on this track, and I think I think rightly so. Yes. But he he pretty much always gives a good vocal performance, does Jimmy? Yes, exactly. But you know, it's not always easy for me to let's say to because he had a strong voice, and here you had a lot of clean part. So it's mm -hmm. I think he he really succeeded in being able to to have a strong voice over clean part. So yeah, yeah. but I for me. The last verse is kind of uh, they could have get rid of it and maybe shorten the song. So, and at the end of the songs, you had a lot of uh, let's say uh, a throwbacks to the first unforgiven. Oh, yeah. You have different layer of voices and so on. This is not my favorite part. No, no, and yeah, like you're saying, when the, when the songs are slightly softer, slightly slower, in that power ballad mode, James does shine. Um, you know, just re I mean, recently we covered Tuesday's Gone and just had Chris on for Turn the Page. That was a really good episode, and you know, you you, you can see really him being in his element. This is a yep. track that people really enjoy, and as such, it hasn't been played a lot live. But the span of times it's been played live, for as little as it has been played live, is pretty impressive. So it's only been played six times live. It was debuted December 8th, 97 in Vegas. And it was last played um, more than just coming up to four years ago in Quebec, uh, September 16th, yeah. 2015. Now, just before we went on air... I watched the a live debut performance uh, at the Billboard Awards, uh, the Vegas yeah. one. And I don't know if you've seen that. I'm going to play a clip now. Kurt's guitar is so horribly out of tune, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so they fucked up the song. That's yeah. probably why they, they don't play it uh, until 2015. So uh, preparing this episode, I lis I, um, I've listened to all the, the, uh, the live performance oh, right. yeah, of yeah. this song. Yeah. And uh, so the first time they, let's say, play it after, after the Billboard um, Music Award was in 2015 in Gildenkirchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the song, James uh, uh, asked the crowd if they like it, and obviously they, they said yes. And he said, yeah, we fucked up the song the last time. So right. I think he, he, he was kind of relieved to, to be able to play the song. But I have to say, so um, these five times they played in 2015, 2006, uh, no, in 2015, uh, James is not using the B-Bender. Mm -hmm. So it's just uh, with a regular, a regular guitar. And um, as we discussed, so the, the, the studio recording is heavily produced. You have a lot of layers of guitars. And I think that it does not trans translate very well when played live. No, no. The, there are those types of songs, aren't there, that just don't work out of the yeah. kind of, you know, the, the inculate ecosphere of, of the studio, certainly. And um, But I think if they were to rip this out at S&M 2, people would love that. Yes, I think so. But as they... I I would if they want if they uh, wanted to play it for the next uh, SM, SNM two I think they probably would have tried it uh, during the past year. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it would have been amazing. Like, you know, we spoke about Pearl Jam before, and they often, yeah. as I mentioned before, many times on the show, they will often just do fucking verses on no code backwards out of nowhere. And it would be amazing if one day Metallica did the whole Unforgiven trilogy back to back. Yes, I think. Back to back or even scattered uh, yeah. in the in set, it would be great. And uh, speaking of live performance, they also, um, you can only also find a video of them playing. Uh, um, the Unforgiven 2 uh, in the tuning room. So it was in 2014 in ah. Prague because it was uh, so in 2014 in Europe. And I think they, there is also a, a South American date and one Canadian date. This was the by request tour. Nice. And I just take a look at the other stats and the Unforgiven 2 was uh, pretty, but quite high in the, in the list of songs, but really, but never made the top 17 because during that tour, the first 17 tracks uh, chosen by the, the fans were played by, by the bands. And then the, three, uh, the, the 18, 19th, and uh, 20th favorite tracks, the band, the uh, Metallica can uh, choose every night a song to play. And mm. in Prague, um, Unforgiven 2 was uh, in the cho- choice of the day with Saint Anger and the day that Temple comes. So Damn. you can find a video of them trying to, to play the Unforgiven 2. And um, James Boyce is quite of destroyed, but I think it, they, they did pretty well. But uh, in the end, they chose to play uh, Saint Anger. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And you know, as we always do, guys, we reach out to you at Metallica Pod. And I've got to be honest, I think in the, you know, it's episode 149, the most responses ever have been for Unforgiven 2. We've got so many comments on this track from you people. <laughs> so we'll get through a few of them. Uh, John says, uh, formulaic, boring, going through the motions, trying to write a hit single for the pop charts. Abel says, absolutely love it, though we'll admit this is one of the few songs they can't do justice to live. Ralph says, I'm actually a bit surprised by all the love the song is getting. Not sure I knew that this many people enjoy it, and there's nothing at all wrong with that. Lucas saying, honestly, after listening to Metallica for years, I like this one more than the first Unforgiven. I love his vocals a lot, and especially the second half, the song gets really powerful. Now, Aurelian, I know you love Unforgiven too. It's not better than the Unforgiven, right? No, I still think the Unforgiven is a is a better song, but the Unforgiven 2 is, uh, is definitely yeah. my top five. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Under the Sun says, a sad rehash of the original. They took the uniqueness of the original and crapped all over it. Country Calica is almost always a miss for me, <laughs> this song included. And uh, Luke saying, I'm going to disagree with everyone and say that I don't like this song. And it just gets lost in the depths of the bad part of Reload. Who else do we have? We have uh, Garrett saying top five, if not top three. The apex of their creative evolution. James Elf said so. Uh, Metalla Chat says, I have a real soft spot for this song. The lyrics are a little too cute, but Hetfield's vocals are undeniable. Clint over on Metal Podcast. <laughs> for many years, this is my favorite Metallica song. <laughs> and I've just bashed it so horribly. Great lyric, great vocal performance. Love the recording and the B-Bender clean sections. Uh, Marcus says, my favorite of the three. Fun fact, when it's played on local radio, I would guess which of the two songs it was just by listening to the horn intro. Kevin Van Damme says, tries too hard to be clever in how it plays off the original and comes off more manufactured than genuine. I would certainly agree with that. No top in the guitar side of the original either. Outstanding vocals by James. And finally, Trisha says, best thing on Reload. Great song. I mean, and any final thoughts on the track, Aurelian? No, it's, I think we, we disagree on that one, but I still think that it's, it's a really a good song. It's very sophisticated mm-hmm. and it's very, let's say, in the load vein. So... If you like Load, you're certainly this song is certainly in your top five or top ten. If you dislike Load, there's 
I can, I can, I totally get the point that yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> We're almost <laughs> at the end. I think this is the final re... No, it's not, sorry. We've still got Where the Wild Things Are. We've still got Where the Wild Things Are to come, and uh, then we'll be finished with Reload. But, um, you know, you saw the band, as mentioned at the top of the show, in Mannheim, which yeah. was just about a week ago, was it? Uh, two weeks ago, I think. 25th, was, uh, yeah, so recording some of yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and just, I mean, The Outlaw Torn uh, was a ninth song there, which I think was the first time they played it in, like, eight years? Exactly, so probably try to prepare it for SM2. Yeah, I mean, yeah. awesome to be there. Like Again, again, we talk about Pearl Jam, and they're one of those songs where people have their fucking Pokedexes out, and they're like, what did I see, da-da-da. But, you know, here, Metallica, you'll get a change in slot here and there, but that is a real anomaly to see that one live. Yes, I think I saw them four, uh, four times during this tour, and it was the, it was the, the deep cut of the, of the tour. Mm-hmm. Think and, so. and I mean, but yeah, it, a hardwired it, memory early on, Four Horsemen, God That Failed, Un- Oh, Unforgiven, of course. That opening five, woo, that's a fucking sick opening, yeah, uh, opening, yeah quintet. Exactly. So, we're, and I really, I think, the, you know, the rotating slots are more on the on the start of the of the set list, though. But it was, uh, I mean, I saw them four times, and the four times they were flawless. Mm, mm. I think the sound was perfect. The production was awesome. So it, I, I, um, because I've not seen Metallica the, the, before this tour. I saw them in 2006, 2011, 2012. So there's kind of a huge gap to 2019. But they they, they sounded really great and uh, and um, maybe James struggled a little bit with. Uh, Unforgiven, uh, yes, with a clean part of Unforgiven and Nothing Else Matters. I think it's maybe the only downside. So he maybe sometimes he has, he has to struggle to keep the, the highest note, but uh, I would say it, it was a stellar show. Mm-hmm. And just looking as well, uh, St. Anger got played, and just before that, I mean, we're prepping here at Alpha Talaga headquarters for an episode on the kind of doodles and noodles and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And Kirk and Rob played Konig von Deutschland, which I've not really heard of, but looks like a big song over in Germany. Everyone around me was singing, but I've never heard this song before. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's got for... millions of views on YouTube, this track. Yeah. yeah. But for the doodles, you really have to, to be from the country because I. Um, uh, in France and in Belgium, I, I was familiar with the song they played, mm-hmm. but uh, in Germany, it certainly was not the case. So I just asked my neighbor what was the song. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that they do that. Like, you know, I mentioned before on the yeah. show, when, when they're in Manchester and they did Stone Roses, I Want to Be Adored. I was like, that's so fucking great. They're taking the time to learn that. Like, Yeah, because they have to learn the chords, learn the mm-hmm. vocals. So, and uh, okay, so I know that Rob is living in, in France, so oh, cool. he's okay with so he he can speak French. So I think uh, the song uh, in France and in Belgium it was probably easier for me. But he he has to to learn a song in uh, in German and so on. So I really appreciate how they are caring for their fans. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, that's about it. And as always, guys, let us know what you think about Unforgiven Two MetallicaPodgmail.com. If you want to hop on and do some sort of discussion about a band member or a concert that you've been to or anything like that. Um, you know, happy to have you on here. Uh, Aurelian, yourself, I mean, um, I guess we should big up your appearances on other podcasts. You've been on Metal at Your Podcast, live on Four Legs. Have you been on any other podcasts? 
Uh, I've been on the better. I will be on the better the better band podcast. So it's uh, another Persian podcast. Oh, I've not heard of that. That's cool. And uh, I think I featured on the blood episode, which would be brought. Uh, it will came. It will come out uh, next week. So that what is that like a sort of Alpha Metallica song by song? Yes, sort of it's thing, kind yeah. of the same flavor. So the so the the podcast host is uh, is going through the Persian catalog, but uh, chronologically. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, that's cool. So first season was ten, and the second season. Uh, so he's currently in the second season, and um, it's it's I would say it's quite different from your podcast because it's it's kind of a loser vibe. So. I think sometimes the, the guest uh, goes heavily into details about the music, over mm. into lyrics. But I really like that for every episode, generally the guests were at still some memories of the time that they are listening for the first time to the song. So there was also kind of a, the guests bring a, a lot of context about the, the yeah. time when the song were written, why they were written. So, I mean, in the Versus episode, uh, Persian was struggling with the uh, media, racism, and so on. So, mm-hmm. I think so. If you, if single podcast theory and live of four leg is not enough for you about Persian, <laughs> you, you can still listen to the Vedaban podcast. And uh, the host Brendan is a very nice dude. Yeah, what's that called? The Vedaban podcast. Oh yeah, no, but it's a better band, like the better. Oh, the, a, the better man. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, one okay. of their most favorite songs. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and there's um. There's another one, isn't there? They they go song by song with Kate Cotton, isn't she on the one? Yes. Of those? So this one is the porch. Yeah, the so porch. That's right. Yeah. It's hosted by Kate and Jesse. So right. it's a um, it's a different flavor. I really like it also because uh, the it's uh, it's hosted by uh, two 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 girls mm-hmm. and they they kind of are newer fans because they discovered Persian maybe uh, two years ago uh, yeah. or or. Or Kate was aware of Belgium, but is a fan since maybe three or four years ago. So I like the fact they yeah, they bring right. a, a different flavor. They kind of have different opinion about the song, the history, mm-hmm. and so on. So it's um, it's also a, a podcast that I would recommend. Yeah, it's interesting to look at the similarities between uh, Belgian podcasts and Metallica podcasts. So there are song by song podcasts like myself and like like the Better Band podcast you mentioned, and there are like the w- the wider podcasts like Metallica podcasts and single po- single podcast theory. But there is exactly. a Pearl Jam niche that there isn't a Metallica podcast of yet. I forget the name of them, but it's all about Pearl Jam merchandise. Yeah, so it's called Habit. That's right, Habit. Uh, yeah, 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 they release maybe six or seven episodes, and but I think it's. They don't release a new episode since maybe three or four months. Okay, okay. I, I, yeah, I so love that, though. The, a Metallica version of that would be great. Yeah, but Persian, I, I myself excluded, but a lot of Persian fans are really into merch. Yeah. Especially into poster, and uh, some poster can are sold on eBay for a thousand uh, US dollars, mm-hmm. and sometimes more. So this, post, this, post, this podcast was uh, dedicated to... Persian merch and more specifically to Persian poster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah. but for me, it's it's, it's kind of uh, it's it. I mean, collecting Persian poster, it's kind of uh, it's like people collecting art of a specific yeah, artist yeah, or definitely. something like that. It's, it's a different level. 
Yeah, it's like having a Picasso, having a Cleveland 93, like, you know, it's, yeah, 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 the equanimity is there. But, um, no, this has been great, and, you know, again, people go back and check out the other times Aurelian's been on the show, been on all the other podcasts uh, out there, and check out the archive, Val Patalica as well, you know, been going for a long time now, and um, check out my opinions on... All the Reload songs and all the other Metallica songs out there. We'll be back next week, of course. I'm sure you can guess it already for Unforgiven Free. And then we're going to get into the Unnamed Feeling Until It Sleeps, one of your favourites, Aurelian. Uh, and then, song. Yeah, your favourite song. Uh, yeah. And then The View, which will close out Lulu. So that will be Lulu all done as well. And then we get into The Weight and uh, Wasting My Hate. We did it again. So, yeah, we got some cool songs coming up, guys. If you enjoy the show and you want to listen to Alphatallica right fucking now, uh, go on the Patreon and subscribe. I'm always uploading content on there. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I hope I haven't enraged you too much, dear listeners, because I know a lot of people love Unforgiven, and I was pretty uh, Unforgiven too, and I was pretty unrelenting uh, at certain points of that. But y- you know, that you paid the price of admission there. But Aurelian, this has been great. Anything you'd like to promote finally yourself or? No, no thanks. I'm just a regular podcast listener. So I just want to, to thank you. The show is slowly going to an end. So thanks for your time, your dedication, and for your strong opinions. <laughs> I really like it. And uh, I'm really looking forward for the end of the podcast and uh, all your future podcasts. No, no, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'll reiterate that Al Patalica will continue, as I said many times before. And it is going to be bittersweet ending the run. Uh, but you know, I'm sure I've got a feeling they'll debut like one or two songs, new songs at S and M two. At least I hope so. So that will mean we can push it a little bit further, you know. Yeah, could be great. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as always, guys, thank you, and Aurelian, thanks for your time. Thank you, Tom. <laughs>